Well, John, we have dongle success. We're, we have tamed the dongle. We have a successful double dongle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm just going to say marker like 100 times today. <sighs> should we even bore anyone with what we just went through? You know, people should know what we went through. So they know what we go through to produce this podcast. Well, it, no, we did it to ourselves with, with this new equipment. But that's not our fault. It's just part of, uh, you know, getting the job done. Now I have nothing open. I have no notes open. I'm flying blind here. We are recording, by well, the way. It, it's, it's the day before Thanksgiving, so I don't yeah, I think know. anyone will fault us for, I guess not. for unpreparedness. I didn't have much prepared anyway. So, okay, John and I, you know, we have these new uh, fancy MacBook Pro touch bar, touch strip, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. Are we supposed to call them like Touch Bar MacBook Pro? I just or? think it's the, the, it's, no, it's just the <sighs> MacBook Pro 15 inch. But then how will people know we have the top of the line with the Touch Bar? Because you say MacBook Pro 15 inch and it, that has Touch Bar. You can't get the 15 without Touch Bar. Oh, okay. If you don't got 15, you can't touch it. You can't touch this. Yeah, exactly. Marker. No, it's not a marker. <laughs> that is not your judge. That's not your call, John. <laughs> Hey, I'm coming loose again. That's so annoying. Marker. All right. So, you know, and these things have the, you know, the USB-C slots. And I already on my last machine, so, okay, we have this piece of recording equipment. One of these boxes here on my desk is a, um, what is like a, I don't know, some 16-channel input-output fancy thing, but it's FireWire. Mm-hmm. And so on my last computer, I had to have a Thunderbolt to FireWire adapter. Right. Right. Well, now I have. I don't have a Thunderbolt port on my computer. All I have is USB C or Thunderbolt three, but they have the USB C connector, right? And so I have a Thunderbolt three to Thunderbolt two adapter hooked up to a Thunderbolt two to FireWire adapter, which then the the cable from our audio gear plugs into. Right. And so we plug that in, and nothing was happening. Like wasn't working. Wasn't no FireWire link. And I'd, I'd given up. I went to the couch and sat down and said, "I guess we're not recording today." Yeah. But I discovered I had to install some piece of software, which made it work. Um, yeah, and then I, of course I had to, and I didn't have any of the software installed still, so it was just it's a big no soundboard. It's like a second, yeah, I have no soundboard. Oh, you, you, well, you had your I, files. I, yeah, I mean, you I can put the files. Yeah, then um, we had to add them a minute ago. Hi, everybody. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, we're here. We're late. Get used to it. <laughs> uh, what a way to start. I know. <laughs> All right, so this is, you know, day before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Eve, is that what this is? The Eve of Thanksgiving? Is there such a thing? Well, you said you wanted to record so we could just say Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Hope, hope everyone enjoys getting fat over, over the week with the turkey and leftovers and pies and, I don't know, all manner of sugar. And alcohol. And alcohol. What's uh, alcohol will be, will be the saving grace for many people. What do you have sure. lined up th- for this weekend? For the for the holiday weekend, <laughs> I don't even want to say it's embarrassing. I'll be going to dinner with family tomorrow, which is Thanksgiving, and then my plans for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are to work. So I meant alcohol. Oh, alcohol! Uh, I was supposed to go today, but we're recording, so I don't know if I'll make it. So you're gonna work all weekend, even though you just came off of a. You worked all day yesterday and all night yesterday. You said you didn't sleep. I did work all night. I tried to go to bed around five thirty in the morning. It was futile. And oh, surprise, surprise! You now you're sick. Yeah. Well, yeah, around probably 3 a.m. I started with this weird dry cough and then it just kept getting worse and it just wouldn't stop. And so I've still got it. So now I've got my uh, my announcer voice. <laughs> I think that's in your head. You, you don't, I, I hear it. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I, I sound like I could be on an Old Spice commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
All right, well, let's get to some stuff. What do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, uh, did we get anything from the finances that you wanted to talk about? You know, I have not. I mean, I haven't really dug into it. I mean, I was just curious to see. I always like to look at which clouds are growing mm-hmm. and to see if they're going to provide any more detail on what the hell some of these clouds are. Like, they then they, they list AppCloud now. But it's never detail. It's always... No, exactly. Thing. So they have one. They, they list Sales Cloud, Marketing Cloud... Are they still clouds or are they Einstein's? No, nope, they call them sales cloud, marketing cloud, app cloud. And we still, they don't define what goes, I and mean, you can read there. They really should. They really should define what goes into that. I mean, Does it really matter? Well, I don't I mean, think it, they can because everything's a license. If, you, if you're an investor, does it, the, the whole point of these reports are for investors. That's the sole part, part of the point of these reports. Yeah, and the investors don't care. Yes, they do care very much. They care that there's a cloud, but they don't care what's in the cloud. They do care. They, and they care how much those clouds are growing and what's going into them. They're analyzing this stuff to know whether or not how, the, how to maintain their positions on, in Salesforce. So they, they do care. But I don't know what goes into AppCloud. I think, I think it's mainly Heroku is AppCloud. Yeah. And I, I mean, we're finding more and more uses for, for Heroku because... But I mean, half these new products they've come out with don't, don't show up as... I mean, I don't, who knows what cloud they go into in, in terms of revenue is categorization. Cloud or is I don't know because I, I, I haven't read the report yet. Mm-hmm. On those, I mean, so just at a high level... So they they again you know surprise surprise twenty what twenty third time in a row you know they beat and raise again that's that's the beauty of these deferred revenue and non build deferred revenue buckets you just move it around so you can beat awesome. and raise yeah twenty three times in a row it's uncanny how good they are at predicting their revenue um but they had uh, twenty four cents per share uh, earnings that's uh, that's non gap of course the revenue was two point four two point one four billion. Uh, and they're, uh, after they announced their, their shares rose like quite a bit, um, from like, I don't know, 73 or 74 up to almost 80, five, 6%, I think. But I just looked today and they're basically back down to where it was before they announced. So that hmm. did not stick for some reason. I have a theory though on that, which I'll get to, but, um, deferred revenue was up 23%. That, that's actually a good number though, to watch deferred revenue because these are contracts signed. These are right. signed contracts. They just, and they've taken the money too. They got they signed the contracts and they got paid. Cash. Is they just good. can't. They just can't. That, right, which is why their their cash numbers are always pretty good because they get to collect that cash in advance of delivering the actual service. That's a that's a good business to be in, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, as, as, long, as long as no one calls up and asks for a refund. But it's but it's kind of a um, it's a it's a predictor. I mean, it, it's a signed deal that's been paid, so it's pretty much money. I mean, it's lit, it's literally money in the bank. <laughs> Um, and the unbilled deferred revenue is a good number too. So that's that's years on an, on a signed contract that haven't did they just haven't invoiced them yet because it's that, mm-hmm. you know, pay annually or whatever. But they did they announced that uh, in 2018 they'll hit 10 billion dollars. So that's next year, which starts in actually starts February, February so fiscal 2018. <laughs> so all normals we start 2017 in, on January one, right? Mm-hmm. Salesforce starts 2018 on February one. Mm-hmm. A month later, they got to they got to get there before everyone else does. <laughs> and that's the, you can't get there any faster than that. But yeah, they say they'll do uh, ten billion. It's funny. I was I was I follow on Twitter some of these an, um, analysts. Actually, some of these people that write articles like uh, Barb Darrow. She's one. She, who she works for now? Fortune, I think. I think Fortune. Yeah. And then some. Some there was another um, another uh, I guess writer um, that she I saw in her tweet stream, and they were both on the conference call complaining about like. How much? What a bull! What how much BS there was on the call, and also the fact that um, I think it was Barb said, 
because she's not one of these that she's not one of these top financial analysts that gets to ask questions. <laughs> she's just a you know a plebeian uh, reporter, right. and so she just sits there and listens. But she's like, "Is anyone going to ask this company when they're going to make money?" <laughs> she's like, "It's the <laughs> it's the big elephant in the room that no one no one will ask a question about." Like still, well, we, it, heard, we heard Bomber's I mean, comments on that in our last episode. Yeah, well, that video. So the thing is, okay, here here we have you know, a ten a ten billion dollar company that cannot seem to make money. I mean, their their non gap earnings are twenty four cents a share, but if you but their gap earnings are uh, a negative five cents a share, mm. and their stock based compensation is just it was it actually went up quite a bit, and the more the biggest jump I think I've ever remember seeing. And that is basically, so they're paying people, they're, they're issuing new shares of stock, which costs nothing. Well, it, it costs Salesforce nothing, the company. It costs, it, who it costs, you know where that money comes from, right? Investors. Investors, because yeah. they're diluting investors, yeah. right? So they're, instead of paying people, and I, the number, it's hundreds of millions of dollars in cash, they're instead just printing shares and giving that to employees. And if they had, so the question is, okay, if they had, if that money comes from somewhere, it comes from investors. And if they had to pay them with actual cash, what would that do to your and in fact, it would destroy. It would destroy them. I mean, they mm. just wouldn't work. So they're still having to create shares in order to make their payroll, basically. But what I was going to say, the reason I, their stock price has gone back down to what what it was before the what was overall kind of an upbeat release here is that um, I noticed uh, in some insider selling. So you know, there's always these articles that get written. Almost all of them algorithmically. Yeah. Mark Benioff sold twelve and a half or twelve thousand shares. Well, he sells twelve thousand shares every day. Right. I mean, that's this is not news. But I noticed that Mr. Burke Norton, who is their CFO, mm-hmm. who we've talked about, he sold 180,000 shares. Wow. Uh, and I wrote here the day after the, day after the earnings release. Uh, must have been whenever that... I hope that was on schedule. I, say. I don't know if it was on schedule, but then I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, well, how much money is that? 180,000? I, I think I meant to tweet about this, but I forgot. I'm not, I'm not a good tweeter. Um, times, what were they, 70... 77 at the time, something like that. $14 million. Wow. Not too bad. And then Alex Dayon sold a bunch of shares, not as many, but like, I think 30 or 40,000. So we, and there's probably others too. I, I, I don't, I don't go, I don't go actually reading their, that you can, because there's SEC reports anytime like an executive buys or shells. I, I don't, I don't read those. I just, I kind of see every once in a while that'll pop up in my news, but those are the two. I'm sure there were, were others. So we have a lot of insider selling going on. Mm-hmm. Anytime you have all your insiders selling all your stock, well, what what does that mean? It's not a good sign. Well, it, it depends. I mean, if they're all getting paid with stock, they're like, well, I kind of want some of my money. Exactly. Unless unless you thought to yourself, well, the heck, this company's going places. The stock price is 77 right now, but I think in a year it's going to be 120, right? If you thought that, you probably would hold on. Yeah, but, You'd hold on to your stock as much as you could. But S- Salesforce is interesting with the turnover in their, in their kind of top-level... Um, Arena where where people come in through acquisitions, they they get that stock, they they sell it off, and then once their contract is up, they they move on to do other things. Yeah, yeah. So it it doesn't seem out of ordinary to me, given given how much they pay in stock, and then you know how many of these people come in through acquisitions. They'll head up a group for a while, and then they'll they'll cast their check and move on. Yep. Anyway, that's yeah. That's really about all I have to say about earnings. Um, I do want to look at. I was like reading. It's also interesting to read the, really, you got to read the the footnotes too. That's where some of the most interesting stuff is, the accountant's footnotes. I, I like reading they the, bury the important gifts. stuff there. Whenever they do the gift thing, like they bring someone on or like, what's his name? Um, uh, Keith. Keith. Keith Block? Keith Block, yeah. He got that, like what, $250,000 watch or something like that. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I want. I want. I want to know what these guys are getting. Yep. So uh, I think last time we recorded, I mentioned. I wonder, you know, so obviously Mark Benioff and and that whole crew out there, you know, they they were big backers of of Hillary Clinton, and now that you know she she lost and and, and Trump was elected, what does that do to, um, you know, is there any is there any potential backlash or you know they they backed the wrong horse, right? I mean, you never want to back the wrong horse. I don't I mean, think so. It's not like he doubled down on it and and threw a fit or anything like that. I mean, we we heard we heard that interview last week where he you know he he said his he didn't vote for the candidate that that won, but you know he, he seemed very kind of neutral about you know of the outcome. Oh yeah, well, but, see, that, uh, sorry about that. Um, stupid autoplay. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, when you're someone like Mark Benioff, who he's very vocal, he's very political. He he is a big fundraiser. He has these big fundraisers in his at his home. And everything, and where where the candidate, you know, Hillary Clinton comes to his house, and she, he's obviously he's he's basically she's been on the payroll of Salesforce for years now, coming in doing a couple of Dreamforces and all that. Um, what would we do? We figured it was like six hundred thousand dollars or something. Um, that, I, yeah, I think she was like two hundred fifty a pop, and she did at least two, so that's <clears throat> what five hundred. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's just not good when that person loses and and the competition wins because you know you're kind of an enemy because of that, and it's you know you you the reason you support these people is because you want. You want people that are, you know, have your interests, right? That are in that are in power. Um, and also, I noticed that Salesforce's stock was interestingly uh, not participating in this whole Trump rally. I mean, we're, I don't know if you read the news on the stock market, but I mean, we just every day. We, we, I mean, we're all three indices have hit records, uh, n- n- never, but you know, never, never before hit. Hmm. Um, and Salesforce was not kind of just hanging out. It was not. It was not going up. I was like, I wonder if that's because you know they just this was not their they, they lost Salesforce and their and their person lost. But I, I saw I came across this, and this is in the, the street, which is um, one of these Kramer things. And the the article was Trump and seasonal concerns could conspire against Salesforce. <laughs> uh, where's my? I need a gosh. This this is going to be. I have like a hand tied behind my back. This is not fair, John. This is not fair. Because you don't have your clips on hand. <laughs> yeah, I have to like go to the finder and. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, what do they say here? The cloud, the cloud computing giant reports third quarter earnings on Thursday, and investors will be looking for CEO Mark Benioff to address its guidance and comment on the Trump effect. Well, anyway. did he? Let's see. Salesforce cannot expect a massive windfall from a tax holiday on on overseas. Oh, unlike yeah, Apple, Microsoft, you know, Google, these companies that have massive amounts of cash overseas, mm-hmm. which are, they're going to get a big benefit because Trump wants to. Basically, have a, like a tax holiday, or let, or like really lower that the the tax on on repatriating that money. Right. Salesforce just doesn't have. I mean, they only have like a billion dollars in cash or something like that. So it's not. And it's I think it's all domestic for the most part. Um, but it says the Trump effect could hinder in Salesforce in other ways. Money has flowed out of many tech stocks since the election into areas like banks and healthcare that could benefit from a Trump presidency. So yeah, I guess it's. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Salesforce has got their healthcare app and. You know, people would be hopefully investing in that and building stuff on it if it's if it's truly something worth investing in. I saw that that Trump already, um, I guess, is I don't know if he contacted Apple or what, but he says he wants to talk to Apple specifically about making more products here and giving them a tax break for for doing it. But I think Apple is, has over the last few years been wanting to do that. Well, yeah, because they did they, the, they did the Mac of, Pro, right? Yeah, they, well, they've been kitting them here. I mean, they're still manufactured elsewhere, right. and then they they kit them here in the states. <laughs> well, you love that kit. You love the kit verb. 
the kit. Uh, uh, you just, you, you love kitting things, whether it's virtual things, software things, computer things. You love to kit stuff. It, it goes back to the days in manufacturing where everything was a <laughs> kit. kit. <laughs> everything still is a kit for you. Well, because <laughs> I don't know. I always, always hated that when, we're, when we were doing white box PC manufacturing, we we're in that world. You know, it, it wasn't manufacturing. We weren't building boards and components. We we bought them all and they were in boxes and took them out of the box and you stuck them in the piece, the machine and stuck, moved it down the assembly line. You're just kidding it together. I always hated the term manufacturing for that. I just, it just bugged me. So, yeah. So kidding became a thing in my head for some reason. Then there was the term light manufacturing. What does that mean? I don't know. Baked, not fried. <laughs> was that the <clears throat> Frankensteins? Yeah. Those are fun. Just take a bunch of refurbs and sell them. <coughs> I don't think. I think I forgot to ask you about this. I meant to ask you. Um, it's one of those things that I, I just don't get to. But I wanted to. I've got some clients that are doing marketing cloud stuff, and I wanted to learn more about it. So I thought oh, I'm going to take initiative. I'm going to go create a marketing cloud dev org, and I'm going to I'm going to learn some marketing marketing cloud. Maybe even do some uh, trail trailheads. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Trail paths. Trail. They paths on trailhead or were they heads? So, trails. I don't trails. They're trails. Yeah. Okay. And I cannot find anywhere to do anything with marketing cloud. I can't. I can't find a dev org. I can't find like a, a a trial org. I can't find anything. I found discussion that that led to the fact that they used to have dev orgs. Like shortly after Salesforce bought them, mm-hmm. but then they shut them down. And there's no. I mean, that link doesn't work anymore. <clears throat> there just are no. You just cannot get. A dev org on marketing cloud. There's no sample. There's no trial that I, that I can find anywhere. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to learn marketing cloud. So there's trailheads, but there's no. Are you back on that? Huh? Oh, there are tra- there are trails for marketing. Well, I cloud. see marketing cloud basics, and it's on trailhead. And but I, I guess yeah, find out how to go create your own marketing cloud instance or something. I just I can't find it. I don't think it's possible. I even asked in our Slack and. And no one has. So is an this answer. like if you have marketing cloud, you can take the trails. Yeah, if you practice. have market, yeah, if you already have it, then you can. Mm. Uh, maybe it has a lot to do with the way it's built and its architecture. You can't do that with marketing club. I am going to apologize now for all my coughing. I, I just like you I just can't, can't help do it. this with Salesforce. Yeah, man, I've, I, this is this is the, the entire month I've had a cold. It's actually two different colds I've had. Yeah, it's been a month of sickness. Man. That's you, what you, you want to talk about. That's something? called having two kids that are in school. Two kids that bring it home every day. Yeah, that is true. So that, anyway, I mean, this whole you know you can't you can't get a login for this, and I just feel like these aren't clouds; these are islands, it's just like the good old days. They're not. They're. they're I mean, this is goes points back to the, they're so different. They're not. They're not integrated. They, you don't use them same. You can't. You know, you can't even get a dev org. And you know, of course, we know it runs on like the Microsoft stack and SQL Server and everything. It's like I don't know. These are just. It's like a foreign thing. Well, it's, but it's, it, it seems non, it seems anti, antithetical, I guess, to Salesforce to not allow dev orgs of things or, you know, like dev instances or, you know, kind of like sandbox instances. I mean, I mean, sandbox in a generic way, you know. Like, yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, like Salesforce has always been like, hey, you can take our, take it for a spin, kick the tires. You know, we'll give you, we'll only let you have a small amount of it, but you can do that for free because that's how they hook you, right? Why wouldn't they do that with marketing cloud? I mean, that, that's a that's not a that's not a rhetorical question. Why would they not have dev orgs on marketing cloud? Are they afraid that you're gonna? It's not. It's just not. You're, it's too hard. Like you're just gonna cause too much 
trouble and you're not, you know, it's not going to be a good experience for you. I just think that the the underlying system itself wasn't built for that. Well, they used to have dub orgs. Yeah, but maybe I'm I'm guessing that it, it's not as easy as just spinning something up. It's it's probably something a little more involved that actually has a cost to it. Yeah, because I mean I mean the main the main advantage for or the main driving factor for the for the fact that you can get you know ten developer accounts if you want for free. Is the fact that it doesn't cost them anything to, to spin it up. You you go in, you you launch it, you authenticate. And, and by the way, that helps them because now they have ten more developers on the Salesforce platform. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now we're at four billion. Yeah, exactly. Four million. Yeah, four million. But I mean, I so, so I mean, I think that's what that's what makes it easy is the fact that it was architected that way, it's built that way. I mean, it it fit in wor- well with the multi tenant. So the net effect is built. is I'm not going to learn market anything about marketing cloud. I'm not going to be able to recommend it. I'm not going to be able to help people with it. And I, I basically I, here I'm someone who can potentially. I mean, I sell Salesforce products all the time. Well, they have I, they have traditional training classes you can go to, and you can go and learn about it. It's just well, who the hell does those? A lot of people who have to learn marketing cloud. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you go to Salesforce training classes? Well, I'm, you don't even have time to take Trailhead at home. Why would you, like you're going to go to some training class somewhere? Well, I, I have a. I mean, we talked about this last time. I have a different style of learning. I, I don't really do well with with these kind of tra- Trailhead type things. I. I I like doing a lot of this self-studying and reading. and So Marketing Cloud's not for you either then? I, I want to get into Marketing Cloud. I mean, a lot of my clients are, are using it and I'd like to know a little bit more about the ins and outs because yeah. I'm having to integrate or at least the things I build it, at some point interact with it. I mean, I'd like to understand the journeys a little bit better and, and how all that orchestration happens. I just want to, I want to know more about those just so I know how, I'm, how I am as a consumer on the internet being tracked by every my every movement and linking me together with super cookies and all this other privacy invasive crap no oh, that's 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 a whole different that's a whole different ball of wax that's what i understand it better <clears throat> um all right well I've, i mean i got some other things but do you have what do you want to cover uh you, let's do your stuff no I, I, <laughs> you wanted to record so what do you want to talk about I don't want to dominate. Well, I, I did come across a bug that I wanted to talk about, and I, I'm I haven't fully confirmed if it's a real bug or if it's something specific with my environment or the way I was doing this. Um, but I um, so traditionally with triggers, one of the things I like to do is, is if I have to set default values, or I have to look something up and set something on a record that's being currently updated or created or inserted. And I always do that in the before context because obviously I, I don't want to have to incur another DML operation, you know, add to the transaction loop. Um, and so in this particular case, I'm trying to remember exactly what I was doing. I think I was um, I was clearing out some fields because um, I was starting to work with geolocation stuff and the native address fields have that built into it. So the, your, your account billing address, you know, you have the compound field and it's the billing city, state, zip. Well, there's also billing latitude, billing longitude. However, th- those fields are just fields. So if you have an address and you set the, the location value and someone changes the address, there's nothing clearing those out. They, they stay there. So if you try to, you know, query against that, you know, getting the longitude latitude, it's going to be wrong because your address hasn't changed and you haven't updated those. So all I was trying to do is anytime someone changes the address to clear out those fields so that, you know, when my trigger does run later, it just updates it. Or if it fails, it's empty and doesn't matter. Uh, and so I was in Lightning when I was testing this. 
And I went to edit my address and I, I went to click save and it said I couldn't do it. It said I was already updating that I, I had already updated that record and thus I couldn't continue. And so from lightning, because that before trigger modified the record, it wouldn't let the save go through. But then I switched to classic mode, went to the same record, didn't change anything else. I just went to classic mode, saved and everything was fine. So it was a weird bug and I'm, I'm been meaning to kind of go back into my dev environment and, you know, really prove out if it was just something with this, if with these particular fields or something else. That is weird. Because you wouldn't think that would even be affected by the UI layer at all. <coughs> yeah, it, it's weird. It has, I guess it has something to do with, you know, I, I guess because it's client side and I guess that happens and then if for some reason it sees this collision, I'm not sure exactly why. Um, I don't know if anyone else has experienced that, but I, I tried looking online to see if, you know, in the known issue list or something to see if that would pop up. Because that seems like something that would bubble up that people would go like, hey, this is causing an issue. This this needs to get fixed. But I didn't see anything on it. So that's what made me wonder, is it something with these fields? Is it something with something I'm doing? Because these compound fields are fairly new and within the last, what, three or four releases? I like the address and what else is there? No about address. Yeah, I mean, well, they're, they're, they're built into the native address fields, and then you mm-hmm. can create a new geolocation field itself. And it's a compound field that has longitude and latitude built into it. Yeah. And the way you interact with them is weird. It's, it's some weird magic. Like, if you're going to query it, you query, like, your field name, underscore, I think two underscores, actually, or maybe just one. I think one. And then longitude, latitude. But then it's underscore, underscore, S. Yeah. <laughs> that is weird. So, I don't know. It's weird. But, yeah, that was weird. That was just a weird bug. And... It concerns me because I, I use that a lot. It's it's a big performance efficiency thing that 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 I think is valid. So I don't know why that didn't work. Mm. I was working on a trigger this this week, and it was basically like a summer a summarization. So like there's basically it's I guess it's a master detail, but all these custom essentially like custom rollups, and it, it's it, we're basically it's it's um it's almost like. Uh, what do you call it? like a data warehouse type operations, except we're doing them um, at least currently synchronously that might switch to either a batch or some kind of daily thing or maybe, or, or asynchronous. But um, anytime one of these child records is, is updated, then we have to do basically requery all these child records that are under this, you know, call it an account um, to get all these different metrics and then populate all these account fields. And, um, I really, uh, I ended up, I mean, this, in order to accomplish this, it's all aggregate queries. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, maxes and sums and counts and all this stuff. Right. And I really, I realized at that point that, it, it, and this was about, it took about, it takes about 15 queries to get all these metrics. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, now, fortunately, I can do them, I, I, I can bulkify it. I mean, that's even bulkified. But the problem is still 15 is for one triggers is a lot. Oh, I think that, so this, this is leading up to, what what you did to solve that, right? The report? Or is this a no, different... No, it's a different thing. Oh, okay, because you, you were asking what, me about reports. What so. I, my point was going to be what would make this much better, and this is one of those things I, you know, I hit, and I'm like, it just reminds me of just all the limitations of SQL, but SQL has no window functions. And if, I, if it had window functions, I could have done this in about three queries. You mean window functions? You ever use window functions on, like, SQL <sighs> Server or Postgres or anything? No. They're, they're kind of like, they're aggregate functions. Um... Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do a group by, so you can actually do. I could, I've could have gotten much more, much more of the metrics I want in one query with these window with window functions than I would than what I have. You know, the one I'm doing now with not having window functions. Hmm. 
Yeah. Um, they sound cool. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of them. Yeah, SQL Server has them, Oracle, Postgres. Uh, MySQL does not have window functions, which is one reason why I just don't use MySQL. My, is it MySQL? MySQL? Yeah. Whatever. Postgres is so much better. Don't use MySQL. You're such a... Or data, MySQL. Database <laughs> I know. Why are we using relation databases? I thought they were dead. I don't know. We're doing object, you listen to. object-oriented databases or whatever. It, well, Postgres is actually both. It's an object database. Um, it's a JSON, XML, object, relational, does it all. Um, I was listening to another podcast, Salesforce, the, um, our friends over at, uh, what's it called? Cloud Focus. Um, Cloud Focus. And they were talking, and I'm kind of, might have completely misunderstood this, but a flow's going away. You know about this? A flow's going flows, away? Flows, yeah. Now, I don't use flows. I don't do flows. I don't build flows. Well, flows and process builder are kind of hand I know hand. they are, aren't they? But the way it came up was someone, and I I'm, 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 know I'm going to just butcher this story. Someone asked why there wasn't more stuff on Salesforce University about flows. Huh. And the answer, supposedly from, I think, Shauna Wolverton, which is, I don't know what she is, some VP at Salesforce now. Um, and she said, well, the reason we don't have more is because that's all, that whole thing is built on Flash and it doesn't get a lot of usage because it's, and, and I think the reason they gave was because it's too complex for most admins to deal with. It's got very, you can set up variables and stuff and it's just. Well, it, so the, the interface is based on Flash. It's flex and it's, it's yeah. ugly and it's painful and it's, it's not very good. And so they're talking about, you know, it may not even be worth to, to carry it forward and to, to rebuild it, maybe. So I don't know. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Do you, I mean, do you ever do flows? Have you ever done them? I have done them. You don't? I don't like them. Yeah. I don't like them at all. And there's some weird caching mechanism with those as well, where for some reason, if you version one, it doesn't always carry through. Um, like in one instance, I was creating a complete overlay for a flow because they were, they were going to become, uh, not really customer facing, but user facing, but users at a higher level. They weren't really Salesforce users. They were getting into Salesforce and using this interface, but they were still users. They had a, they had a login, but they weren't really Salesforce people. Yeah. So we took I took this flow and I completely restyled it and made it look awesome because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at some point, like the flow changed. They took something out of it, but my page still rendered that old version, and it just for some reason never took. And then at one point it did take and then another change needed to happen and it wouldn't take. And it just was this weird thing where for some reason the versioning was just wrong. I, I think it's related to their, their metadata. I mean, I know from a metadata API perspective, flows are very difficult to deal with. Which is another reason why I'm just like, no, no flows. Well, I mean, I'd be happy to see something a little more well put together and you know, that functions better and, and, and takes the, you know, cause right now flows and process builder are kind of two different things. They interact and they're kind of the same in the I feel back like they sit on the same foundation I, though, I think right? They sit on the same foundation, but, and, but I think they're, they're both trying to do two different things and it's, it's weird how the interaction happens. I'd like to see something that's like, I would like to see a process builder 2.0 that actually could replace the old workflows and 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 kind of could do what process builder is supposed to be able to do, but not so buggy. I guess I don't know. Do yeah. do what it's supposed to do, <clears throat> right? Do do work as advertised. I'll say. Did you hear about this uh, Amazon BI tool? 
Yes, I did. Do you know anything? You have anything Excite. on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I grabbed the article and I meant to read it, but I didn't. So, but I, I don't know. It's on my list, and I just wanted to see if you'd read anything about it. It looked interesting. It does look interesting. Well, tell me about it. Well, I, I don't know anything about it other than it's <laughs> it's a, a middleware BI tool sitting on Amazon. It, it, I think it'll work similar to the way Azure does, where you have you know different connectors and data stores and and processes that you can tack on together to kind of process. So you can create all these layers and everything. So they'll, they'll be these kind of pluggable components. Um, but I don't know. It just it just seems like, you know, Amazon's growing and, and starting to really compete with, you know, Azure right now. Because I think Azure, who else is doing that that type of thing? Well, I mean, Microsoft has a whole, you know, BI, Power BI, right? Well, they have Power BI, but also Azure itself has all these different um, components to their services. So they have these like service component layers and you can tack on all these different services together and and get them to all plug and work together. Um, <coughs> and I think Amazon kind of does too, but I think this is kind of like tacking on that BI layer to it to where all these things can work together. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't follow, I don't understand that. It's a lot of tacking on of things, which is over my well, head. So, so you have all these services that can gain access to data and could potentially do things to data. And then you have your BI, which kind of does your, you know, runs your analytics on it and then does your visualizations on it on top of that. So that's, that's the layer that that's missing on, on those services that this is adding. I guess. I mean, at some point, I mean, that's what customers of Amazon do, right? They build BI applications. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, well, this is them. This is them yeah, uh, getting into that. Exactly. That market. Moving up the stack, right? Yeah, exactly. They've done this before. Where did, I mean, even, even moving into database like they did, they have their own, they have their own build of, was, is it MySQL, I think? Um, I guess. And didn't they come out with some other like user level application? I can't remember, but you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see them if they ever move up the stack. Well, I, th I think this probably stems. Well, I mean, it's 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 a natural progression, I think, for them. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are using Amazon for a lot of the uh, IoT stuff, including Salesforce. So, I mean, you need a way to try to consume and make sense of that data, and and you know that's going to be a BI tool. Could be. So why not provide that service as well? I think a lot of BI is just BS, honestly. The way I've seen BI used companies. Well. I, I, I don't. I, we've talked about that a million times, though. It is. I, I don't. I mean, I, I I agree, but I'm not sure. So sure, it's all that fair. I mean, I think I think when, when you have a lot of data and you're trying to make sense of it, you know, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Use the mm -hmm. tools that are available to you and and try to do your run best some job. queries, I guess. Run some queries. I mean, it's not like every company is at this point in time is going out and hiring. Data scientists. I mean, sure, some of the bigger guys are, and and they have that that capability and the resources. Yeah, to but do BI that. is not data science. We've talked about that too. Well, I know, but BI is kind of like the 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 training wheels for. for, for I don't us. think so. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I mentioned Salesforce University a minute ago. That reminds me, um, when uh, the state of New, I think the state of New York sued Trump University. You know why they sued them? Mm -mm. It wasn't because they were fraud or anything like that. It's because they have the name university in their name, and they're not a real university. Mm. Is Salesforce University a real university? Are they operating out of New York? <laughs> I don't, they're in New York. They have offices there. They have a, they have presence in New York. So I don't know. But is there like a Salesforce University there? The, well, there was not a Trump University anywhere either. It was completely virtual. They rented out hotel rooms or uh, seminar rooms and stuff. Mm. 
Salesforce might want to look into that. (laughs) Especially since they backed the wrong horse. (laughs) You you keep wanting to make something of that. I I just don't see it. Uh, it's It's just my little fun, hot drama. I'm waiting for you I'm, to press tr- the drama button. I'm, it's just it's just for entertainment, John. No, a little bit of <laughs> I need I have three different drama clips. I've got, I need reasons <laughs> to play them. Here, here's my other one. It must be like a Hitchcock movie or something. <laughs> what is that from? <clears throat> I don't know. It's from everything. I think I've heard it everywhere. Well, the only thing other thing I want to talk about was um just the new computer stuff. Yeah, I kind of wanted to get into that too. Um, I, I guess because we've been using this for what about a, a week and a half now. Yeah. Um, I got to give my honest feedback. I, I enjoy it. I like it. The touch bar, um, is convenient. the The fingerprint is convenient, but so is my watch now that unlocks it, and that's yep. really convenient. Yep. Um, however, I can't say I've seen a big performance difference. Which is kind of, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I mean, my computer before was what, a, it was what, a 2012? Yep. 2012 MacBook Pro, uh, maxed out at 16 gigs. It only had a 500, what, 500 something gig um, SSD card or drive. Um, so storage was kind of an issue for me. But I mean, I could supplement that with external drives. Um, oh, well, I think it says what I suspected was that even though those computers were four years old, they were still really fast and still ran really well. Yeah. The, the bottom line is, you know, CPU technology hasn't gotten that much better in the past four years. It, it hasn't. Yeah, I think, you know what the biggest difference is? And, and <coughs> unfortunately, I won't make much use of this in, uh, increase in performance, but it's, it's graphics performance. That's the biggest difference. Well, I don't know about that either. I do know about it. I've seen the numbers. I mean, I've looked at, I've looked, I've compared the SSD speeds, CPU speeds, memory speeds, bus speeds, graphics speeds, all that. The graphics is the biggest difference from if you compare them to our 2012 MacBook Pros. Well, well sure, spec wise, yes, yeah. but I mean, practical. It, it, so, so when most people think about graphics, they think about gaming, and and it's just still not going to cut it for gaming. You're still not going to get the the frame rates or anything like that. I didn't say it would. I'm just saying if you look at what improved the most, it sure. is the graphics. Sure. Is it going to be? Is going to be? Enough for you know nerd gamers in their parents' basements with their home built PCs. No, it's not. That's not no. what it's for. But even then, the graphics improvements aren't really being leveraged by the laptop itself. What where it is going to be leveraged is when you want to st- stick two four K monitors on it, or you know however many you want to put on. That's where it, where that graphic performance is going to come into play. Yeah, but as it is right now, sitting on our desk, just standalone, it, it's functioning just as well as, as our well, as our four year old. So, so the graphics performance that I notice that's much better is. Um, the things like, I think I talked about this, like expose where it's like, you see all your screens, like go back and come, you know, get real small and then come, you know, get big and all that stuff. That is all super smooth. Whereas sure. on the original ones, it was very choppy. And that's why I said that, that the graphics card that was in the original 2012 MacBook Pro was not, was not enough for that machine on day one. It wasn't enough for it. It was but not got, quite enough. You got, you got the secondary graphic card on that one too, didn't you? Didn't they all come with it? I thought they did. Yeah. But I don't know if it even fires it up for that. Like, if you just do a quick expose thing, does it switch to the? It might not. Yeah. No, because it had the dual, right? The right. onboard and the was it ATI? I think it had. Yeah. Well, they're both on board. Just well, I mean, the one, built, one, one was built one, into the one core. One built into the core, right? Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, um, and that, that's that's I knew I was going to feel that way. 
my old computer still works so well. I mean, I already have, I have guilt about buying a new computer, but I'm like, yeah, damn, I kinda, I kinda it's been too. four years. Yeah. Um, fortunately though, I mean, I think I already have someone who wants to buy my old computer. I think it all, I think I'll be able to get some good money for it. I actually came up with a, a family that I'm going to give mine to. Oh, good. Can use it. So, but I mean, this machine is just, I mean, it is so sleek. I mean, even just when you look at it powered off or whatever, it's just, you, you can, it, when you look at the old one compared to this, it makes the old one look really old. Well, it does. I love the look of it. Now, I kind of wish I went and got the silver one, though, because the the yeah, fingerprints. I love this color, but I can see every fingerprint on it. I'm not convinced it's just the color. I think it might have a different finish or something on it. That's Maybe. is it just the color? I, I I don't know, but I agree with you. I do see. But I I'm looking forward to to you know whatever next um, major revision to the OS and the hardware of this is. Um, simply because there are quirks to it. There are certain things. For some reason, when I restart, certain apps don't always remember their settings, which is weird. And I don't, that seems specific to the note, to the machine because my other computer had the same software and it didn't have that issue. So there are a few things that, that are, it's acting weird. Um, I have noticed that whenever the, whenever I start up the computer for the first time, like if I completely shut it down and then turn it back on, um, I'll notice that, that there's a little section of the bottom screen that kind of, flickers and it kind of does this weird graphical thing and i believe that's the touch bar firing up what makes you think that you're just totally pulling that out of your ass aren't you no because because as soon as that happens whenever that stops the touch bar lights up and it's in this bottom area and i know that you can drag stuff down into it so i'm thinking there's some kind of initialization between those two or or something about that bottom layer of the screen that it's treating treating as the touch bar um, the, you know, the keyboard. So this has that MacBook One style keyboard, very low travel. Um, overall, I'd say I really like this keyboard. I do too. I'm just having to learn how to, how to tap lighter um, because I'm so used to tapping with, with so much travel yep. that when you do that with these, it just sounds like you're pounding it. I agree. But now that I've, you know, as I get used to it, I mean, I can really, I'm a fast typer anyway. Typist, is that the word? Yeah, but man, I I feel like I can really fly on this keyboard. It's just it's so smooth, and it just it feels. And again, you go back to the old computer, it feels like a ten year old keyboard compared to this one. It does. Yeah, it's, it you kind of feel the keys moving underneath you. My probably biggest complaint is finding the up and down arrow key, and I think I'm just gonna, that's just going to take some practice. I, have I don't issue. find them really well. Escape is kind of a problem. I'm not a big Vim user. I use it when I have to, basically. Um, so that's not a huge deal. Um, but I'm usually not even using the built-in keyboard. That's the thing. I'm usually sitting here. I've got my external keyboard and mouse. Mm-hmm. So as cool as the touch bar is, and by the way, it's, it is very cool. I mean, it's just, and, and apps are going to do really cool things with this. I yeah. just, I'm not going to use it that much because I'm normally in external keyboard and mouse mode. Well, I am constantly reaching up to to put my finger on it to authenticate something like my one password or yeah. something like that. And you know what? It, it, it has kind of solidified my, my um, stance on not having a laptop with a touchscreen. I mean, that of itself kind of reaching up to, to put my finger on the scanner. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. Yep. It, yep. it takes me out of my workflow. Um, it's, really, it's, it's really quick and easy versus the password, so I still find it convenient. But I couldn't imagine trying to navigate my computer by holding my hand up like this. I, I th- really feel like the jury is still out on whether we're going to have, whether the future is displays that are fully touchscreen. I tend, I'm tending to side on with Apple that they're not because of the reasons you just said. 
But I'm not convinced about that, and I, we'll just have to see. Well, I think it depends on. I mean, obviously, who's Windows using it. is giving it giving it a, a run for it, right? Well, I, I think it depends on who's using it. I think. First of all, the younger generation, they're growing up with iPads. My kids are growing up with iPads, and they do everything with their iPads. I mean, my daughter has a notebook, too, that she uses. But, I mean, she, she her and my son both do really well with the touchscreens. And it's really well, natural. Sure, everyone does well with touchscreens. That's fine. I'm just saying that when, as, you know, skilled computer users, you're just not going to, you're not going to want to be touching up at your screen all the time. Especially when in a death situation, but you know where, where I think it'll will the first place it'll have success is with those like the Surface Book. Is that what they're called? Just the laptops, the convertible laptops. Yeah. And what's cool about those is they they run just Windows ten, whether it's in computer mode or whether you flip it over and it's in you're using it in like tablet mode, right? You can't you flip mm-hmm. it over and the keyboard kind of goes away or whatever, and you're you're just holding it right like like right. you would a tablet. I mean, that's when it makes sense to, when you can hold it actually at a, at a comfortable distance and, and go into touch mode. That's pretty interesting. I well, mean, it is. And I, I think the Surface Studio kind of le- leads to that as well because it has that pivoting screen and you can lay it down so it's sitting at an angle, but it's down in front of you. Now, ergonomically, doing a lot of work that way with your head pointed down. And does everyone sit, does everyone sit at a, stand at a drafting table all day where that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't either. Because that's that's why I truly feel that I'm not I'm not uh, gonna pre you know judge that I just I don't know. Well, again, I, I think for people like us developing who are you know at, at the keyboard all the time, we're not browsing, we're not looking at pictures, we're not we're not playing some some point and I'm click not, game. I'm not manipulating symbols or or trying to paint right. with my fingers or right. I, I, I th- the keyboard's still a valid yeah tool and yeah. you know um, I, w- I will say moving on to to some more gripes <laughs> about this computer. Uh, I love the trackpad. It's it's big for gestures and everything. It's it's great. Yeah, you don't ever have to worry about am I actually tapping on the trackpad because I guarantee you, you are. <laughs> it's so huge. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, though. It is a problem. I I, <laughs> I tend to rest on it and I'm typing, and all of a sudden my thumb goes and the cursor's somewhere else, and I'm typing on something else. Because your palm hits it. Uh, it's usually my thumb. My thumb will rest, like my my thumb will kind of drop from my, my palm. Okay. I, I usually try to keep my palms up, but my thumb always rest. Like my palms are up, but they're resting on my thumbs that are sitting on the trackpad. Yeah. And so sometimes it'll drop and that'll cause the cursor to move and I'm typing somewhere else and I have to go back. Yeah, I've had, so apparently, you know, they do have palm rejection built into this because when, you know, if you put your key, your hands on the keyboard in normal mode, your palms are touching this giant touchscreen. But I'm having problems with my left palm it is not being rejected enough. And so I'm having to keep my, I'm trying to have to, I'm having to like lift my hand in a weird way to keep it off of that trackpad and I'm not mm-hmm. liking that. So that's, that's actually the biggest problem I've had with this computer so far. Yeah. It's not a big problem, but it's the biggest. Yeah. For me, it, for me, it's that I'm not really doing the palm thing. It's just my thumb will drop on it periodically depending on what I'm doing. I don't like the headphone jack. They switched it to the right side and it's, for some reason, I like it much better on the left side. Because yeah. your mouse is on the right side, your trackpad's on the right side. Yeah, in fact, my headphone cable is actually sitting on my on my hand while I'm typing. Yes. I don't like that. I know. I'm trying to like I'm trying I'm trying to like loop it or you know, stick it under the right keyboard between my or, keyboard. And, yeah, or somehow yeah. it's just it's a pain in the butt. I don't know why they did that. I mean, I'm well, sure there's some. They want you to go reason. wireless. I know. They want you. To pretty just, soon they're gonna they're gonna put it in the back. <laughs> <laughs> no, pretty soon they're just gonna get rid of it. <laughs> then you'll have to you're give your, like nope. Then you'll have, you. you have to give your computer no a headphone jack for you. All right, moving on. Um, new computer problems. All right, so this is I made a list of things that are pain in the ass. Anytime you switch to a new computer, and you decide you're not going to 
copy. I mean, I copied my documents, but that's it. I'm going to reinstall yeah. my new apps and everything. Man, then, then you really realize how much of a problem that a lot of things are. So like, first of all, there's so many different logins that have just been like remembered by Chrome or different things. Yep. And there's just so many. And I'm not talking about things like that, that I would use one password for, like if I was going to a website. These are things that like the, just in the computer that the, that the would normally be remembered. Extensions that, you know, and plugins yeah, for applications exactly. I mean, and things like that. Yeah. And license keys. So many things need license keys. Now, luckily, I've, I'm well, pretty also, good about keeping all my license keys in one password. So they're there, but man, it's just so much of that. Yeah. How did you copy your stuff over, by the way, your documents? Um, I kept, I pretty much put everything in Dropbox oh, already. Right. Okay. So all I had to do was resync that. However, um, I some some of the things were I, I didn't remember which ones were synced in my Dropbox because you know how applications they have syncing services and sometimes you can choose to do Dropbox or you can choose to use iCloud or you can choose to use um their their particular service. Well, at one point I thought it was a Dropbox sync and I I synced to an older file instead of the more recent file which was actually on an iCloud drive. Yeah. So I just you know there there are things like that that happen. Yep. Um, so I think last time I switched computers, I did I used rsync, but this time I just use just you know in the terminal just cp good old cp. But um, I will tell you that cp a is your friend. It maintains <coughs> your original create date, modified dates, permission flags, all that stuff. So it's basically like an rsync. Oh, I'm not going to remember now. Whatever the rsync dash, I think it's a also for archive. Whatever the whatever the ter- option is to to tell rsync, you're basically you know copying an archive or making an archive mm-hmm. works really well. Um, nothing to set up as SSH. Like I had to manually set up SSH in my keys and everything. Yeah. Um, Solenopsis, which is doesn't install quite right on a Mac. So that's always a pain in the ass. My my Z shell um, RC file, NPM, and all the global NPM stuff. I haven't. I haven't even Groovy and GVM yet. Homebrew and all the Homebrew stuff, which is also how I install like Postgres and different things. Which then reminds me, oh crap, my databases. Those are like in user slash user slash local slash share slash something and I, those were not in my documents that mm-hmm. I created those in somewhere else. So I've got to go get those. All kinds of Java stuff and Ant stuff and all the third party libraries you have to put in the Ant folder on your installation and I never know where that is. Fonts. I realized there were fonts. What was it? Um, the main one I had to go get a source code pro because I use that and which mm-hmm. is an Adobe thing. They, it's free. Source Code yeah. Pro. Have you ever seen it? You use it? Yeah, I've seen okay. it. I used to use it, but I, I haven't. That's what I used for Sublime. So I had to go get that. <clears throat> um, it, some things I did go and get my settings for, like IntelliJ. I just copied it. It's like, I think it puts it in application support slash IntelliJ, and I just copied that over. Worked great. I um, didn't. I, <laughs> I chose not to bring over the settings, and I, I kind of regretted it. Yeah. Um, Sublime, supposedly, um, there's a certain, it's like your user preferences thing, and it says, you know, don't install packages, just just copy your user preferences. It has a list of your packages, and as soon as you open Sublime, it'll install everything that it sees that it you used. None of that worked. So not, my, not my Sublime migration was horrible. Mm. <clears throat> there's still a lot of things I'm missing, like um, all your applications recently opened filed files. I mean, it's amazing how much I rely on those. Like even everything from preview to an audition, so many things like I'm, I just I really use recently opened files for so much stuff. That's, that's all gone. I don't. Um, on my bash completion history. Oh yeah. And in Z shell, it's even better. I use Z, but yeah. um, that all that's gone. And I could have copied that. I mean, I, I know you can go find that stored somewhere, but I, I just like yeah, I'm gonna forget. <laughs> Wi Fi networks. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and again, I'm sure there's probably a way to, I don't know. Is there a way I to? I doubt it. No, I think that's something you have to say. Because, it, well, it's, if there's security, yeah. But at some definitely. point, I mean, yes, there's part of this that's a pain in the ass, but I, I just like that idea of starting clean. Because it's, honestly, it's, it's a good reminder of like all the stuff you do rely on. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do have a running list of things, but it, it gets a little outdated. And I usually try to update it before I do something like this. Um, but uh, for some reason, I, th- I think what happened is I was so busy and I'd gotten it. I was so excited about trying to use it that I transitioned a little when I didn't really have time to transition. I was working. Um, so I was, I was kind of like piecemealing it. I'd, I'd load what I needed, you know, just to get by for the day. And then I'm slowly trying to trying to get things enabled as I need them. And so yeah. it, was, it was it was a little more piecemeal than I would normally do. Usually I sit down for a day or on a weekend and just get it all done. And it also helps I can have my whole computer on this thing. So I've just copied my oh, yeah. whole entire hard drive to this little thing using SuperDuper. So yeah. it's a bitable. I haven't even, even installed my um, uh, VMware in, on here yet. Oh, really? I don't have my VMs on here at all. Yeah. Well, maybe you don't need them. No, I do. I just, <laughs> I just haven't put them on yet. I'll put them on this weekend. Well, maybe this is just a, a good time to switch over to... Uh, Docker lightweight containers. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Maybe. Seriously, um, have, have you ever used Vagrant? No. It's uh, cool, especially for developers wanting to use Docker. It, it kind of automates your VMs and Docker mm. and stuff. Um, I'm I'm trying. So I've been a Quicksilver <laughs> user for ten years. So Quicksilver, for people who don't know, is this. Um, it's Ooh. what do you call it? What do you call those? I don't know. Um, product, I don't know. It's a productivity. It's a launcher. Oh, the launchers. It's like a. Well, launcher. they started out as just basic launchers, but then they started adding. You know, they do a lot nice more than that, but they're still called launchers, stuff, right? And, <clears> but they're, yeah, they're still pretty much launchers. So I've used Quicksilver for ten years, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to see how long I can get. With using this, because since I've used, okay, when I started using Quicksilver, there was no launcher built into the Mac at all. Well, now Quicksilver, what's it called? What is it? What is when you do command space? What is that? Spotlight search. Spotlight. I'm, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how long I can, go, I can go with just spotlight search. It's been a week and that's okay. <clears throat> I mean, there's things I can't do. Like one thing I would do, but commonly do before is like, I would look up someone's phone number <clears throat> in uh, Quicksilver and I could go right to the phone number and do copy, and we copy to the clipboard, or show it really big. Yeah, it would, it would be right. you know, there's all kinds of little things, all those little like you were saying, like the kind of yeah. <clears throat> and Quicksilver is even <clears throat> God, sorry folks, sorry I know. Quicksilver even has this basically like subject, um, indirect object, direct object. So you can look up a, a person, or no, you can look up like say a file, mm-hmm. and then I can and then I can say email to, and then I can say John. Mm-hmm. And those are all quick, you know, I mean, for fast on Quicksilver, you know, it's, I, but, and that's cool, right? But I, I just don't use that enough. And I'm just wondering if I can live without it. I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal to me not to have that. Yeah. I, I use Alfred for mine and it, I, I use it all the time. I use it to, cause I have, I have it integrating with one password. So all I have to do is type in the one password keyword and then whatever website I want to go to and it'll launch my browser and log it in and all that kind of stuff. So it's convenient for that. I have the same thing for my IntelliJ projects. It, it does, a, it searches that directory. So I just, say idea and then my project name and it loads it for me. Um, I, I use it for like locking my computer. I just, you know, tell it to lock and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, I mean, I, I do use it a lot. And I, I, th- I think at some point I did try to see what Spotlight offered, but I just really like the way Alfred, you know, works and the way I can configure it and I can set up workflows and things like that. So, yep. I have a feeling I'll, I'll probably install Quicksilver at some point. Another thing I noticed is because um, before I had installed my ad blockers, the internet is just unusable. It is even on a brand new yeah. computer without ad blocker. Yeah, it just it your fans spin up. It takes all your cores and yeah. and pages load slow as crap. It's like God, this is just horrible. It is horrible. 
I mean, no wonder everyone uses ad blockers. It's yeah. just, and I don't want to. I mean, I don't. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing it because I, I want to be right. exactly. Don't want you to make money, right? Well, I mean, when I go to my favorite news sites, I mean, I want them to make money. I want them to be <laughs> yeah. around. But when they make it so that I can't, I have a horrible experience. I'm sorry. I've just got to turn ad blockers on. Yeah, exactly. Fix your website. Have reasonable ads, and I'll, you know, I'll whitelist you. Yep. So yeah. And I hate it when they detect the ad blocker and they try to force you to turn it off. And I'm like, no, I'm, not, I'm just not going to watch you go to your site because I've turned it off. <clears throat> And give them the benefit of the doubt. And what happens? I'm, I'm overcome yep. with, with just really horrible ads that are just killing performance. And I can't even read the content. You know what does work, at least based on my, from my perspective? There will be a site that I'll go to and it'll say, you know, we see you're running out. It'll say at the bottom, like in a nice, or maybe at the top in a, in a thing that kind of goes away easily. Say, hey, we just, when else you use an ad blocker, we'd appreciate it if you tried us without one. Mm-hmm. I will try. I will try. And if it's not bad, I'll leave it. They, yep. they stay whitelisted. They so stay I like those. But the ones that like, who is, is it Forbes or Fortune that has that giant intro Forbes thing does. and the countdown? I want to punch someone in the face when I see that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. Yeah. Well, I had other stuff to cover, but it is five o'clock on Thanksgiving Eve. We've already had an hour. I want to, uh, what's the, what are those, uh, you know, the, the tech, uh, not ThoughtBot, ThoughtWorks. They, have, they do their technology radar. They, mm-hmm. they do it every quarter or something. But basically all the technologies, whether you should like invest, start investigating this new technology or whether you should, you know, it's don't use it or, or it's, you know, whether it's, it's history now or whatever. I wanted to talk about that, but uh, not going to have time. Well, I have something to, to go on the radar. <clears throat> okay. Since, since it's Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving is what? Uh, is it Black Friday. Black Friday. Yep. So, so, so for those of us that, that want, want to, to, to shower us with gifts for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nike has has uh, has announced a self lacing sneaker called Hyper Adapt. It's it's seven hundred twenty dollars though. I thought that was called Velcro. No, this is this is this is Back to the Future styles. Put your foot in. Uh, I think you press a button or pull the things, and it and it <coughs> laces your feet. And I just thought that was awesome. And then and I want one, and it breaks. But like, I'm not going to spend seven hundred dollars yeah. on a pair of shoes. <laughs> That's stupid. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to buy me some shoes, yeah, the black pair, nine and a half. <laughs> and to that I say good day sir you get nothing you lose good day sir <laughs>